Bible study, just some basic Bible um, uh, understanding. And so I want to look just briefly tonight at the subject that kind of ties in with Bible study, but also being able to defend our faith, the idea of apologetics. And so I want to discuss that briefly tonight. Did anybody not get one or does anybody need one? All right, so will you grab and Does anybody else need one? We've got a few. All right, I'm going to let my my lovely assistant hand those out. <laughs> I'll give you a minute for her to pass those out for anybody that needs one. And uh, again, this is dealing with the subject matter of apologetics. Maybe you're here and you don't know what that means. Well, I want to kind of explain that. I heard uh, a preacher years ago who was talking to someone and uh, said they were going to study apologetics. And the lady in the church said, Preacher, I'll have you know right now, I'm not apologizing to anybody about my faith. And so apologetics does not mean that we are apologizing for our faith. That is not what it means. Um, In reality, simply put, apologetics is the art of making a case for the truth of the Christian faith. And it comes from the Greek word uh, apologia, uh, which means uh, defense. And so it is giving a defense for the gospel. You say, Pastor, is it biblical? Look at me if you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And we want to read just one verse, verse number 15. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 15. Peter says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And really this is the heart of apologetics. It is always being ready to give every man an answer for uh, the reason that we hope for our faith, why it is that we believe in Jesus Christ and So apologetics is being able to provide an answer to those who would ask us, uh, why do you believe what you believe? And so there are aspects of it. We'll look through it as we uh, begin to study a little bit of apologetics. Uh, You can use the scripture, but sometimes people deny scripture. And so if someone doesn't believe the scripture, it may be difficult to use the scripture to convince them. And so ultimately, as, as, as believers, the Bible is our source of authority. Um, but there are other avenues that we can use to, uh, and we'll look at that here in just a moment, other aspects that we can use to try to defend our faith for those who do not believe or put their faith in God. Um, what is apologetics? Well, we discussed that it is uh, it's making a case for truth. Um, we can make a defense without becoming defensive. We can make a defense without becoming defensive. We want to make a defense for the faith. We want to give people a reason why we believe what we believe. Um, But I don't have to become defensive. The Bible can stand on its own two feet. And so I can give a defense for the faith, um, but we're not on the defensive. We're on the offensive side because we're on the winning side. Amen? We're on the side of truth. We're on the side of righteousness, and so we don't have to become defensive when we share our faith um, to defend it. Second of all, uh, we should never quarrel with a non-believer about our faith. 
we can give them a hope. We can give them a reason. Um, but we don't have to fight. Um, if we attempt to fight with someone and quarrel with someone about our faith, um, really what's going to happen is we're just going to make them mad and make them not want to listen to a thing we have to say. Um, I can stand on the truth, and I'm unashamedly not going to move on what I believe the Word of God teaches, but I'm not going to convince someone who's not a Christian that um, the Bible may be uh, that biblical morality is the standard by which they're going to live. And so I can stand firm on it without being quarrelsome. And so we need to make sure that we are standing on truth, but with the intention that we're not trying to push people away, but rather that we're trying to draw people to Jesus Christ. And so that is our uh, main goal. Um, if you have a good argument for your faith, you are less likely to be quarrelsome. And honestly, a lot of times when we become argumentative with people, um, most of the time it's because we don't have a good defense. And when we, get on, when we get, start getting on the defensive side, we think we're being attacked, all of a sudden, then we want to lash back out. And so when we really understand what we believe and why we believe it, we don't have to quarrel with people. We can just stand firm on the truth of what we believe. Well, apologetics, we looked briefly at what it is, but I want to second of all look at, is it biblical and what is the biblical um, perspective of apologetics? We already read in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, and so we know from Scripture that uh, Paul says we should always be ready to give an answer. But in Acts chapter 14, verse number 17, the Bible says, nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, and that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And so uh, Christ did not leave himself without a witness. We also see that Paul used nature um, to defend the gospel to the Jews. So there is a, uh, a witness that we have, and Paul used nature. Matter of fact, we can look down to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 20. Romans chapter 1, verse number 20, 20, the Bible says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Even in creation, even in the world around us, in nature, Paul says we can see the things of God, and so those, uh, those who do not know him... Uh, are without excuse because even nature itself points to God. And so Paul said, listen, um, even dealing with the Jews, he said nature itself will point to Jesus Christ. B, Paul used eyewitness testimony also to defend the gospel. Look at me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 we find that Paul used nature to defend truth. But in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8, he used eyewitness accounts to verify what he was teaching. He said, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, Watch this. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. 
After that, he was seen above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto the present, but some are falling asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. And so here we find that Paul is trying to make a defense for Christ, the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus. And so here in 1 Corinthians, he's using eyewitness accounts. He said, listen, Christ is risen again. He said, but it's not, uh, I'm not just telling you what I've heard. He said, there are eyewitnesses, people who were there. And so Paul begins to use eyewitness accounts to um, make a case for um, what he believed and what he was preaching. Then the third aspect I want to look at, and we'll take just a few more minutes here, and I, this is probably about as far as we'll get this evening um, on this next point, but see, there were changes depending on who Paul spoke with. And so Paul's tactics for preaching or presenting the gospel, witnessing, varied somewhat depending on who he spoke with. Now, the truth did not change. The message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, resurrected, did not change. That message stands forever. Amen? And so we, we, we stand firm on the gospel, but how Paul approached individuals changed sometimes depending on who he talked to. Namely, Jews and Gentiles, there was a different approach to the gospel, how Paul presented it. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 14. We're going to go to Acts, and we'll spend the rest of our time in Acts. Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 29. The apostle uh, Paul, uh, or Peter here, is dealing with the Jews. And so uh, we find that dealing with the Jews, there is one approach but then later on in the end of Acts, we find that they're dealing with the Gentiles. And with the Gentiles, there is a slightly different approach. In Acts chapter 2, um, verse number 22, it says, um, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you, watch this, by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. And so here we find that dealing with the Jews, there was an approach, really an apologetic approach, saying, listen, what about the miracles? What about the signs and the wonders? And it says that obviously Christ was who he said he was. You want to deny that he was a son of God? Then explain to me the miracles. And the Jews couldn't dare deny that. They had seen them themselves. And so now they're all of a sudden they're in a conundrum. If they just as Christ had, had argued with them, if they were to say no, they know the miracles happen. So if they say Jesus did the miracles, then they have to admit he's a son of God. If they say no, the miracles happen, but it wasn't of God. Then they're saying the Satan has powers equal with God, and they couldn't do that. So uh, the, the approach here is that there's some lesson. What about the miracles of Jesus? And this for the Jews, this created an issue, and it gave them something to contemplate and think about. Verses 25 through 31, for David spake 
concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, all my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. And so down through the rest of 31, we find that there is an approach now of prophecy. Saying, listen, the prophecy was given, and Jesus Christ fulfilled the prophecy. And so, and then thirdly, in verse number 32, it says, This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. And so here we, we find that there was an appeal to the resurrection and the eyewitnesses. So um, we find that this is the apologetic approach with the Jews. In this passage was uh, an approach from the miracles, from the resurrection, and from prophecy. They took on the things that the Jews are big on, the things that they were really discussing that mattered to them, and said, listen, we're going to defend the faith by what you really find important. <clears throat> now, we're going to go over to Acts chapter 17, and here's where we're going to slow down for just a moment, and here's where I want you to interact with me tonight. And we want to look at Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 31. We're going to read this, and we're going to look at really about five things that we can find here that I found. But I want you to see if you can give these to me or give me more. And we want to look at maybe some apologetic approaches that were given, uh, that were approached to the Gentiles when Paul preached. Acts chapter 17 Let's read verses 22 through 31, and then we'll discuss it. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Marseille and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God hath made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in the temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might uh, feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone, graven by art and by man's device. And the times of his ignorance God worked at, but now uh, winked at, but now commendeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Wherefore he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. In this passage of Scripture, 
we see that Paul is now dealing with those in Athens, and he's preaching on Mars Hill to the unknown God. I know you're familiar with this passage of Scripture. But now Paul is dealing with people who worship a lot of gods, but they do not know Jesus Christ. And so Paul is dealing with people who are very foreign to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul begins to preach to them and teach to them. He talked to them, and he uses some what we would call apologetic um, defenses here to, uh, to present the gospel. Um, I'm going to mention the first one, and then I will let you have, I think I wrote some down. I don't know if they're on your handout or not, but um, the first one might be the familiar. Um, he's dealing with all of the gods that they have, and then he says, but you've got one, which is the unknown God. And so Paul, Paul's saying, listen, I know that you're familiar with gods and with deities, and he said, so, he said, but there's one that you don't know, and he's the one I'm going to declare unto you. And so Paul begins to appeal by what they do know to expound upon it and reveal what they don't know. And so Paul doesn't try to come in and try to talk above their heads. As Christians, sometimes we like to use, and I'm as guilty as anybody as a preacher, I like to use church lingo. I don't know, if you've been in church a long time, you probably don't realize that as Christians, sometimes we develop our own vocabulary that we just take for granted everybody knows. But those who aren't in the church, they might not understand what we're talking about. And uh, we, I got in trouble the other week. I, I found out that in church business meeting, I kept calling it conference. We're going to have conference. Well, that's church lingo I grew up with. Business meeting was called conference. And somebody said, preacher, we're not in conference. We're not having a conference tonight. We're having a business meeting. Well, church lingo, it can change. And so being clear does matter. And so Paul said, I want to go with what you're familiar with and then try to expound and reveal to you what you don't know. Um, what are some other things that we might, maybe you read through it, uh, maybe some other perspectives that you could pick up on some things that Paul, his approach here to those in Athens. That, I was reading from the King James. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And both of them are very accurate in what they're saying. So, yes. Yeah, and religion, that can be a very good one. Is that, again, Paul said, listen, you're familiar, but, you know, you're very religious. I want to appeal to your religious perspective. You know, you, you, you are religious. So, Paul said, Let, let's build upon that. Um, you know, you, you have a faith. You believe in something. And nowadays, that's a good start. Um, because there's a lot of people, atheism is growing by leaps and bounds where people deny God at all altogether. And so, um, if someone is religious, at least that's the foundation to start with. At least they believe in a higher power. And so that is an approach that you can begin with. Somebody else. The next one I'd wrote down, I'll share it with you. Um, verse number 25. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to life, uh, to all life and breath and all things. And um, 
I think Paul's beginning to look around and saying, listen, y'all have got all these statues. And he said, but they're made by man's hands. And so he begins to appeal to their reason. Like, I want you to stop for a minute and think about this. You're worshiping something that was created by your own hands. How can God be in that? How can there be any power in a statue you've made yourself? And um, our daughters, we were in a a donut store um, here a few weeks ago. And in the donut store, there was a little Buddhist statue and had some food set down, a donut, and I think a cup of coffee at the Buddha statue there. And my girls, they just couldn't compute that. They're like, what is that? And we explained to them that that's their God who they're praying to, and they have given their God food. And they said, well, obviously he's not eating it. <laughs> this is a little statue. He can't eat that, Daddy. And like, well, he can. And we began to talk to him. And our girls, at their age, at five and seven, their own reason began to say, well, if a man made that, how could that be a God to pray to? And so I think Paul begins, to, he's, he, he, he appeals to their, to, to their intellect. He's like, listen, um, neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. He's like, what, if you can make your God, what kind of God's that? And so Paul begins to appeal to their intellect and their reason. And sometimes you have to go to that basic level with, when you're dealing with someone. We've had family members. Um, I can think of uh, one of my wife's family members now who is uh, very brilliant. He, he's a, uh, a sharp young man. Uh, he studies a lot of stuff, but you begin to talk to him, and uh, he will try to use his intellect to deny God. Um, a lot of great scientists brilliant minds of our times deny God. I think that it was Einstein that said, though, eventually you come back to the place where um, if you really study all things out, you have to admit that God exists. There's, but uh, a lot of people use intellect to deny God. And so uh, Paul began to approach and listen, I want to appeal to your intellect. I really think this through. Um, how can you worship a God that needs anything that you made with your own hands? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Amen. That's wonderful. And that's the way you have to approach it is with love, compassion, try to appeal to them. Now you can come in and say, you're dumber in a box of rocks. Why would you pray to, well, you're not going to gain any ground with them. Matter of fact, you probably just shot yourself in the foot from ever witnessing to them again because they're not going to listen to anything you have to say. But with love, when you appeal to them and present the gospel in loving as you can, that's what can happen. Yes, ma'am. What a great testimony. I, I've heard that the, they came here, the girls from the school too came and and for a memorial service and all that. I, I've seen, saw some pictures last week of that. Yes, ma'am. When the, the girls come into their little hula thing. Not inappropriate hula. I'll make sure I clarify that. Um, but yes, ma'am, that, that was an amazing testimony. And so you can't appeal to reason. Um, somebody else. Yes. 
Yes, you can try, but good luck. You're not going to succeed. But if we don't understand the Word of God and understand what we believe, two things are going to happen. One is uh, we're not going to be able to defend our faith to those who have questions. It's important that we can defend our faith. Not that we argue with someone, but there are honestly people out there who have sincere, real questions that they need answers for. Who want to believe the Bible, who want to believe truth, but they they can't seem to wrap their heads around it, and they come with questions. And if we don't defend the faith and explain the love of Christ to them, who's going to? And so it's important. Second of all, if we can't understand ourselves to explain it to others, then we're also more susceptible to um, being led astray. So it's important that we can defend the faith. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and we'll, probably down the road we're going to get into that, defending our faith against Jehovah Witness, Mormons, other because it is important. And a lot of times most Christians will see a Jehovah Witness coming and we, 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 we lock the doors and turn the lights off and get down and pretend we're not home. Well, what good's that? Aren't we supposed to be out front presenting the gospel? But we have to know how to do it, too, and be, be careful. So um, that's important. Verse number 28, I'll share a couple more, and then I'll be done. Um, we'll go into prayer. Verse 28 in this passage of Scripture says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of, you, of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. And so he used poetry, their artistic expression of their time. He used it, um, poetry, to um, say, so listen, I'm not just saying it. Your own poets have said it. And so he used, um, in this passage of Scripture, he used even secular poetry to bring around and bring the truth, reveal a truth of God's Word. And so it's okay for us to, um, again, that doesn't mean we use secular poetry, but we can't say, listen, you know, even the world recognizes that this is truth, so this is what, and this is what the Bible confirms. And so uh, we can use uh, that as well. And then verse number 31, ultimately it comes down to this, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that mean, uh, by the man of whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. Ultimately, it came back to this. Paul said, listen, at the end of the day, it's about the resurrection. We can use apologetics, we can use resources, and we'll talk more about that on how we can use the Bible and sources outside of the Bible to point to the truth of the gospel. But ultimately, we're not, we're not discussing or arguing with people just to argue. Ultimately, we want to come back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why we talk to people. This is why we defend our faith. It is about the faith. It's about the gospel of Christ. And so um, we can discuss with people um, things outside of Scripture. It's okay to talk about science and 
uh, and politics, whatever your friends want to talk about. But ultimately, we can try to appeal to them why we believe what we believe. But then in the end, we better bring them back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ resurrected. For it's the gospel that has the power of God. And so we can appeal to people, with a, but ultimately it's the Holy Spirit and the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms lives. I don't care how good of an argue, uh, arguer you are. Um, I don't know, y'all might have never heard of him. I love to listen to him. Ben Shapiro. If you are familiar with Ben Shapiro, he is brilliant at being able to debate and discuss things. And I wouldn't want to get into a debate with him about politics by no means. Um, he, he's brilliant with it. He can debate with anybody. But you can be smart and intellectually smart and not know Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, Ben Shapiro is evidence of that. He's a Jew, and uh, he believes in the Old Testament, but he does not believe in Jesus Christ. And so um, we can be great at debating and talking to people. You can win an argument, but winning an argument will not bring someone to salvation. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to do that. And so we need to make sure that in the end, we can talk to people, we can discuss, and we should but let's always bring them back to the, the gospel. That's what it's all about. And so that's just a brief introduction to apologetics, kind of just uh, the ground level about what it is and how we can use it. We'll look a little bit more at in it next week. But I wanted to, as we've kind of went through prayer and reading the Bible, I think apologetics is kind of just a, a step along that journey. And so I know this is elementary level stuff, um, uh, you know, but I believe as Christians, we need to be back to the basics, don't we? And be able to defend what God wants us to do. And I hope that you're getting a, a blessing out of that.